0: This week's episode of The Curious Podcasts is brought to you by you, our valued listeners. If there are any topics you would like to hear us talk about, you can submit your suggestions at curious.podcasts@gmail.com. at gmail.com. Also, if you want to show us some love and support, why not pop over to our Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash thecuriouspodcasts. Hello everyone and welcome back to the Curious Podcast. (laughs) Uh, You'll have to excuse Lawless, he's just filled his mouth with white stuff.
1: Disgusting. I thought you liked Tic Tacs. Shut up. (laughs) So we're live from the Amazon rainforest this week. Mainly, Meaning I haven't cut my garden in,
0: well since last year.
1: There's some weird things out there, you know.
0: Probably. Actually, technically speaking, it's been even longer since I've quit it, since I usually get your brother to do it.
1: do
0: you ever done it? I have. I, I mean, I've lived, yeah, what, four year, five year. I've done it at some point.
1: Bored.
0: Anyway, back to the show. Uh, so, this week on the... Curiosity Corner, uh, I'm going to be continuing on with that creepypasta tale. Mm-hmm. Um, I've had a look, and there have been no emails sent in for Richie's Corner. But I, I'm quite sad about that, because that means I've got nothing to read out. Oh,
1: well, that's sad, huh?
0: I know, I know, it's terrible, it's terrible.
1: Mm.
0: But, um, but, you know, talking about you know, like shame and luck... You know, you know, being unlucky, I do know if I'm male. But you know who was lucky? A farmer who got hired by MI5. Right. Yeah. yeah do you know what his nickname was? Mm-hmm. The Shepherd Spy. <sighs>
1: go meet in the garden.
0: Go, just go meet in the garden. <laughs> so what have you got for us this week on Richie's Corner?
1: Richie's Corner?
0: That's it? Yeah. Okay, (laughs) well, in that case then, let's crack on with the curiosity scratching post. Come on, come
1: on. I'm trying,
0: I'm trying. We'll get the key. I am using the key. Got the one. Ah, There we go. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Curiosity Scratching Post for another installment of Creepy Creepypasta Storytime. This week we begin part 3 of Every Night at 2am Our Daughter Starts to Cry, We Should Have Listened. Last week ended with the parents finding cameras hidden throughout their house. So without further ado, let's begin the final chapter of this creepy tale. I felt my skin crawl as my eyes began to wander the room instinctually the thought that there had been cameras in my house without my knowledge made me feel ill all of a sudden I felt like from every corner there might be eyes watching distant perhaps but watching me all the same I'm calling the cops now he continued though his voice seemed to have drifted into the background and the goddamn realtor tomorrow This is, it's ridiculous, it's invasive, it, he trailed off and I could see his eyes on Abigail in my arms, glistening with tears I knew resulted from a feeling of frustration and powerlessness. I'm calling them now, he finally said with a sniff and a nod, gathering himself as he grabbed his cell phone and made his way out of the room. I just sat on the edge of the bed, head swirling with half-formed thoughts and eerie suggestions. The memories of the day before, Abigail's escape and my apparent encounter with whoever had been following me in the parking lot. All seemed content to gnaw away at my sanity. Strange and paranoid thoughts began to force themselves to the forefront. Lack of sleep, terror And the paranoia of discovering I had, in my own house, been watched and listened in on by somebody, served as ample kindling for the fires. The police were at our house nearly an hour and a half later. Alan walked them through the events of the day, everything from my escapade that afternoon to the inexplicable events of the night. Four officers were dispatched. Two stayed with Alan in the living room, listening to his account of it all. The other two I led from room to room as they searched the house. Do you guys have any idea what this could be? How can we find out who's behind this? I'd asked, as I led them from the laundry room and up the stairs towards Abigail's bedroom. One of the two officers accompanying me shrugged, a short, Hispanic man with kind eyes and a wide face. We can't be sure of anything, Mom. We'll get the devices your husband gathered into the tech guys and see what they can determine. He pursed his lips, giving an apologetic smile, as though he could tell the answer wasn't what I wanted to hear. Still, I nodded, leading them into Abigail's bedroom, flicking on the lights. This is our daughter's room, I said, where she was sleeping when... I didn't feel it in me to recount the events of the previous night again, the very thought draining. The other officer nodded, stepping past me and beginning his search of the room. If you have the means, you might consider staying in a hotel for the foreseeable future. He kept his voice slow, and in his expression I could see a level of care his sterner partners felt lacking. I'm a parent, two daughters one of them barely older than your little girl. I know how scary this has to be. I'll do my best to make sure we stay on this. I could have hugged the man in that moment, Officer Ramirez, according to his badge. He'd been the only one of his colleagues to treat the situation without an almost clinical sort of coldness, and it made me feel somehow less hysterical about it all. Thank you, I muttered. "'wanting more to say but finding nothing. "'He nodded before joining his partner in the search. "'They were gone fifteen minutes later. "'Officer Ramirez leaving Alan and I a number to call "'if anything else unusual happened. "'And with that, my little family was alone again "'in a house that suddenly felt so much less like a home "'than only that morning. "'Any hope of sleep was long gone.' And I spent the next few hours pacing the bedroom and hallway, Abigail in my arms, my mind moving faster than my body could manage. Alan tried to stay up with me, but with work and only a few hours, I encouraged him to get some sleep around four, promising that Abby and I would stay close. We did, spending the hours until light began seeping through the blinds in dusty rays in the rocking chair until my eyelids grew heavy and sandpaper-like. You're going to be okay here today? Alan asked me, his eyes watching me through the standing mirror while he worked on it at his tie. You can always go stay at my sister's today. Tracy would be fine with it if... I'm fine, Alan, I interjected, exhaustion robbing me of any tact, my voice sounding harsher than I'd intended. I'm. I'm fine, I repeated, softening my tone a bit. Maybe, if she's free, I'll call Tracy later and see if she can watch Abby for a bit while I get some sleep, I offered. Alan frowned but nodded, saying clearly that there would be no point in an argument. As he completed the final buttons on his shirt, he made his way over to us kneeling down to plant a kiss on Abigail's cheek, and then my own. We're going to be okay. I know last night was, he trailed off, but we're going to be fine. I nodded, smiling, though the expression failed to reach much of my face. As he rose to leave, making his way for the door, a thought occurred to me. That stupid damn bear you got her, can you bring it here? I asked. I think I threw it in the crib when the cops were here. Sorry, I'm exhausted and I just really don't want to get up and risk waking her so I can listen to screaming for the next three hours. He fixed me with a quizzical look, and for a moment I wondered if, in my exhaustion, I'd misspoken somehow. Finally, he smiled, chuckling to himself. Sure, boo, I'll grab it, and I don't know what you mean, I got her. I'm tired of her lugging that thing around as much as the next guy, but don't put the blame on me. I felt my eyebrows raise, mouth opening in search of the question I felt struggling to form through the fog of my mind. But he was gone and off in search of the bear, as if responding to the sudden rush of my thoughts. Abby stirred, cooing to herself in her sleep and in my heart I knew I would stand between a train, a bullet, or anything else for her. Here it is, Alan's voice stirred me from my thoughts, the sight of the large stuffed teddy making my skin crawl, my gaze moving to those cold eyes from the night before. Thank you, love. You can just leave it here, I nodded beside the chair, and he obliged. He placed his finger under my chin, tilting my head up for a final kiss before heading for the door. As I watched him leave, I felt a vague sense of déjà vu, and his words from before seemed to drift to the forefront of my mind. I don't know what you mean. I got her. I'm tired of her lugging that thing around as much as the next guy. He was being humorous. That much was obvious by his tone and yet it didn't seem like you would lie about that detail, even as a joke. It was too minute, too random for him to simply be teasing me. I wanted to call him back and inquire further, but the groan of the garage somewhere below told me the opportunity had passed, and with my phone across the room and a sleeping baby in my arm, I relented on the idea. Instead... I found myself staring at the bear. I realised I had never really taken the time to look at it over. Why would I? How often does anyone deeply examine their children's toys? The thought had never so much as occurred to me. However, now that it was, details previously taken for granted suddenly seemed odd under scrutiny. It was big for a stuffed animal almost half of her size, and unwieldy as all get-out to have her constantly carrying. As I leaned forward slowly, reaching for the toy while trying not to wake Abby, I felt the wrap on her injured wrist brush against my skin, sending an awful chill through me that momentarily dissipated whatever unsavoury thoughts I might be having of getting rid of the thing. I grunted under its weight. With only one arm free, it never ceased to amaze me, the weight of the thing. I raised and lowered the stuff bare, gripping it by the ears, as though somehow my arm might realise it had miscalculated how heavy a pile of stuffing and fabric ought to be. Perhaps it was the accumulation of paranoia after a night of events that would serve to make anyone paranoid. Or perhaps... It was a far too delayed reaction of that mother's instinct. I can't be certain. All I'm sure of was the disquiet I could feel creeping through me, like the unwanted caress of cold fingers against my back as I struggled with the unnatural weight. I twisted the bear so that its back faced me, moving my hands through its fur in search of any sign of a zipper or button Or some sort of opening. As a child I could recall the first time I'd received a fancy toy of any sort. It had been a doll from my parents, one of those electronic ones that could cry and babble like a real baby and I could recall just as easily having it taken away after flinging it at my sister during an argument. I hadn't meant to hurt her but being a kid I'd failed to account for the small plastic box at the centre of the toy which housed all of its electrical components and the resulting gash it caused had me grounded for half of the summer. As I searched Abigail's toy my arms started to quake with the prolonged effort. I could almost feel the weight of that doll again from all those years ago. I adjusted my grip grabbing the toy around its stomach and pressing down. My heart jolted settling into a rapid pace as I felt my hand close around something hard and square. My eyes immediately settled on its stomach on the thin line stitching that I had hardly taken the time to notice before assuming it to be a sign of wear and tear. Now it seemed almost threatening. I stood from the chair and carefully made my way over to the bed settling Abigail at the centre of it as gently as possible, before heading over to Alan's bedside table. I pulled the drawer open, rifling through all of the miscellaneous junk, old chargers and ancient mail, before finding what I was looking for, a rusting pair of construction scissors. It was the only pair we had in the house, despite many a mental note, to buy another and necessary to what, despite intense mental debate, I knew I was going to do. In the back of my mind I could already hear Abigail's future tantrum when I had to deny her the bear, until I could manage to sew back up, but in the moment all that mattered was finding an answer to the question at the centre of my mind. I pushed the tip of one of the scissor blades through the faint line of stitching across its stomach, cutting carefully along each of the stitches until an opening large enough for me to fit a few of my fingers was made. For a moment I found myself pausing over the stuffed animal, a strange sort of apprehension gripping me from inside. I needed to know, to abate the fears forming in my mind every bit as disquieting as they were unclear. Without another second of hesitancy I pressed my index and middle finger into the bear digging through its inner workings mostly cotton and what looked to be old rags were shoved beneath its skin to fill the stuffed toy until my finger fell against something cold hard and plastic. I tried to get a grip of it Struggling and failing not to widen the tear as I forced my hand in after whatever lay at its centre. I listened closely for Abigail's sleepy breath, the only sound over the faint rip of fabric as my hand closed around the object. I felt like a box of some sort, running my fingers up its shape. Something seemed to extend from one of its corners. It was thin a thread perhaps no whatever it was I was certain it felt of plastic not yarn or any sort of cloth thread no this felt more like a wire my heart kicked into motion like a prize racehorse sending an icy hot wave of adrenaline washing through me I gave up on any sort of care the breath in my throat coming quick and uneven now, as I set to digging through the stuffed animal like a wrapping paper, until what lay inside was revealed. I pulled hard against the box, feeling a great bit of resistance from within, straining until, with a sudden pop, a shot loose nearly sending me careening off of the bed. As I collected myself, I looked over what I held. It was a small white box maybe four or five inches across. On one side a series of holes were placed in the same configuration one might see on a phone or a walkie talkie. On the other sat a switch unlabeled. I immediately recognized the design of the thing or something of the sort at least. It was eerily similar to that which had been inside of my own doll years ago, except that was meant to be electronic. As far as I knew this stuffed animal was meant to be only that. Beyond all of that there was one difference between the object I held now and that I had seen in similar toys. I felt my mouth run dry. The wire that extended from it was a pale green And when I saw what dangled uselessly at the end of it, my stomach tightened like a fist. Hanging from the end of the pale green wire sat one of those cold, glossy eyes. The thoughts of my head descended into a hurricane of thoughts and things I ought to do. Call Alan. Call the police. Burn the damn thing. And yet I sat, staring as if somehow it might change the disturbing reality of what I was saying. It was a camera. I had no doubt about that. The camera lens made it look like the glass eye of my baby girl's stuffed bear. My hands shook with such force. I was certain I might drop the thing, and my stomach flipped 180 degrees. I quickly grabbed the eye, closing it in my palm, the fear that somehow it might still be active, and whoever was on the other side watching me, making my skin crawl. My chest ached with the racing of my heart as I pulled until my arms strained until I heard a snap and the eye broke free of its wire. I stared at it for a moment in my hand the object making a faint mechanical whirring that grew quiet by the second and all I felt was rage. Without thinking I tossed it sending it careening into the wall and scattering it into a shower of small electronic components. It was all it took to stir Abigail work. The tears were immediate. It had been hours since she'd been given anything for the pain and I could only imagine it was the first thing she was aware of and the thought made my heart ache like I'd been stabbed. It was all more than she deserved. Everything. The recent speech issues and temper tantrums, the injury, everything that had happened in the past 48 hours. It felt like I was failing in every way to protect her. Painkillers. Where are our painkillers? My focus momentarily split. I scanned the various shelves of our room for the mild painkillers we'd been recommended, eventually finding them on my dresser. I rose quickly making my way over to the little orange bottle. As I turned to make my way back, I heard it. A faint whirring click from that little white box. It was followed immediately by the sound of static, hissing like a broken television, and through that static, I could hear that voice again. The distortion was greater than before, but I could hear it more clearly than ever sitting atop my bed. Little Bear... Don't cry. Come. outside. Even with the electronic distortion, my blood ran cold. It was as though a light bulb had been set off in my head, recognition blooming amidst an equal amount of cold, sharp dread and blazing anger. I watched in horror as Abigail slowly grew silent, eyes opening and hardly bothering to take notice of me as she seemed to search the room for the source of the voice. Her eyes falling on the bear, splayed open, only feet away. Daddy? she spoke with bleary recognition. All at once it felt as though the struggles of the past several weeks, once appearing separate but equally distressing issues, suddenly revealed themselves as one. I made my way to the bed quickly, scooping Abigail up as though the bear itself might take hold of her, and grabbing my phone off of the bed. Let Come. Adventure. The hiss of distortion grew, the words in between becoming lost in the storm of sound, and yet all I could do was listen. That voice. I hated myself for not recognising it sooner. Though we had only spoken once before. It belonged to our neighbour, the old man next door whose first name I could hardly even recall. My husband hadn't given Abigail the bear, I realised. Her father was the most present man in her life, Daddy being the only name she would think to call the voice speaking to her in the night. I opened my phone immediately navigating to Alan's number and pressing the call button. The seconds between each ring seemed to stretch on for an eternity as I waited. Hello? My heart leapt at the sound of his voice. Alan, I know what's going on, I said. So many things I wanted to say at once, my thoughts still in a whirlwind. I struggled to even determine where to begin. Are you okay? Okay. You sound freaked out his voice came quickly the panic audible is it happening again yes Alan yes just listen I know who's doing this I know who gave her the bear it was Melody the old guy next door there was a moment of silence from Alan's end on which I could hear movement sorry I needed to get out of the office what do you mean he gave it to her? I thought you. No, no, we both did. We never thought to ask because, of course, we wouldn't. Alan, listen. I'm going to take Abby to your sister's. I want to get her away from this place. I'll call the police on the way. If you still have Officer Ramirez's number, call him too. I could feel myself speaking at a mile a minute, but felt unable to cease moving about my bedroom just as frantically in search of my keys. On the bed the box continued to hiss and crackle faintly and through it all I could hear breathing and movement. Hold on, I breathed to Alan. Yaz perked as I tried to hear through the foggy audio. It sounded as though there were two voices loud and yet far too distant for me to hope to make out anything being said. Still, even without being able to make out the exact words, I knew the sounds of an argument. The realisation only hastened my search as I tore drawers open and tossed pillows and sheets aside with my free hand, all while Abigail screaming in my ear. Oh, okay, alright, I'll do it now. Just get to Tracy's please. I'll call you back. Keep your phone close. I love you. And with that he was gone. With a sigh of frustration I gave the room one more look. Seeing no sign of the keys. Before resigning to check the rest of the house. I knew that when they weren't on my bedside nightstand. Most of the time they'd be found on the small table beside our garage door. I was on my way out of the room when I heard two things that made me freeze my heart falling through the chasm I felt in my chest. There was a scream audible through the speaker sitting amidst the cotton strewn remains of the bear's insides and somewhere in the distance the hairs raised on the back of my neck at the realisation that it was coming from more than just the bear someone was screaming next door woman shrieking bloody. There was a bang this time loud enough that there was no doubting whether it had been from the bay or somewhere very very close. That brings us to the end of the first half of part three of the tale. Tune in next week to hear the end of the story. We will find out just what kind of bang was heard was it the type of bang where someone is thrown into something hard? Or was it the bang of a gun being fired? Has Mr. Melody killed his wife? Or was it someone else? All these questions and more will be answered next week when we finally finish. Every night at 2am, our daughter starts to cry. We should have listened. Well then, uh, yeah, so I know I said that the creepypasta would be the end of this week but yeah you know, it, was, it was too long so it's gonna it will be next week when it's finally finished i know you're like bored to the point of almost falling off that chair but
1: uh mm-hmm. sorry what what you saying oh nothing nothing don't worry <coughs> about it
0: everything everything's fine everything's fine i
1: wasn't asleep i was just uh looking at the inside of my eyelids with my mouth open
0: oh you were doing a morgan freeman I- But yes, so next week will definitely be the end of that oh.
1: creepy pasta that you have never listened to me talk. Love it. Right. So this week I think we're gonna have a ESMR special.
0: Alright, okay.
1: here. well to Richie's Corner, ASMR special, sponsored by Tina's tits, strip us for So, random facts, five comes after four. 99% of sharks don't attend church. Which 1% does? Don't tell me, lawyers. Sure. What do you do when you've been attacked by a group of clowns? You go for the juggler. Oh
0: god. I
1: should've really? known that one. Got me here from Amy. Hello Richie, can you help me? My sat nav told me to turn around, now I can't see it. Makes sense. Dave? I visited my friend's new house here day. He told me... To make myself at home, so I threw him out. I hate visitors. To be honest, so do I. Richie, get out. Kevin Watersniff. Ah, good old Kev. Do you guys have a podcast? No. No.
0: We, we just have this thing that we record where we just talk random fucking shit and then find somewhere to put it online and, prete- and pretend that it's a podcast but it's not really a podcast because podcasts are be way more professional than this.
1: Terry, can you guys help me? My cat has a terrible attitude, has a boyfriend's round every night, house parties, catnip all over the place. The police say she might be a drug dealer. Um. What should I do? Lawless, what do you think you should do? Get in the whack-up. I'll tell you what. I'm going to let you read out Barbas. Babs. With some dramatic effect. Okay.
0: Hi, Richie. Soon an update on my life. So, it turns out that I'm not pregnant. My and Ben... Were- me and ben me and Ben were drinking our morning coffee went out of nowhere farted so loud that it threw his cup in the air and screamed like a little girl to be fair I farted so hard before it lifted me out of my chair I, I, I didn't know fart but that could be that powerful about especially given my weight the dog ran outside barking the budgie fell off its perch and Kevin Water sniff our neighbour checked to see if we were okay so yeah that's what it was all along but it's fine Ben has calmed down now after the incident the dog walks out walked out the room every time I walk in and the budgie is now on heart medication <laughs> thanks Richie love, Babs Trapped air has a lot to answer for. Yeah. Uh, It can be excruciatingly painful, you know. I've heard. Mm -hmm. Has my boyfriend wrote in.
1: No. Got one here from Gorgeous Ken. Hi guys, gorgeous Kenya. I was just looking in the bathroom mirror, staring at myself, thinking, wow, I am gorgeous. When I when I hear a rumble across the street. Apparently, someone farted. For once I can truthfully say, it wasn't me. At least that's what the paramedics told me, as they were bringing out the budgie on the stretcher. <laughs> but, I am still fantastically beautiful. Love, Ken. Gorgeous, Ken. Um, Nosey Nancy? Hi, Richie. There's just been an ambulance outside my neighbour's house and a budgie come out on a stretcher. I hope he's okay. Get well soon, Dennis. What's oh, that the name of the budgie? Must be. Must be your neighbours. I know, it sounds like it. Do you want to read it? Is it? You
0: told me my boyfriend hadn't wrote it. I didn't know who
1: you meant. Well, of course it's going to be Billy Barnes.
0: Oh, Belly Barnes, prick. How have you two... Got 20 episodes of this absolute shit show. Shove your hand, up your arse and wave.
1: I'm trying to understand this. What does that say? My life is great. Much better than yours. Alright. My
0: life is great, much better than yours. My podcast is great and it turns out my bit on the side isn't pregnant after all. Something about the wind, she said. Anyways... Fuck off and mind your own business, you <sighs> cock handler.
1: Thanks
0: for that, Billy. Yeah, bit Billy. Well, uh, make sure to
1: handle your cock this weekend. And remember, if you've got any stories about anything or any advice that you may want, uh, feel free to write in.
0: The Billy Bonds podcast. Yeah, because we're, we're shit. And, we're, and because not only are we shit, we don't give a shit.
1: Mm. <laughs> What was Billy's called again? The podbats. Podbats. Pod podbats. Pod bats. Uh, pod uh, I wanna hear more from gorgeous Ken. Apparently he's gorgeous, you know. Uh, who knows, you might actually get a love life. Might I want one. And uh, nosy Nancy as well. Apparently she's a neighbour. So we've got
0: Gorgeous Ken. Um Billy Bonds. Well no, Billy Bonds didn't say anything about living near them.
1: With bottom, I think. Yeah, but he's not one of the neighbours, I'm told How do you know? Well, it hasn't been confirmed Well, right I'm there, pretty sure that we'll confirm it next week. Okay, fair enough. So is that at Ferretti's Corner? I think so. You know I'm sure I had a fun fact that I was going to mention.
0: And now I've forgotten what it was.
1: Brilliant. Absolutely brilliant stuff, that's like... Oh, uh, shout out to Craig, for some reason. Because I know he likes to listen. The dirty bastard. And Kim. Uh, Does he like to listen? I think so. Are
0: oh, we doing a shout out for Neil?
1: Oh hi hello Neil. Aye. Hi Neil. Right, back to the show. <laughs> Ward of the Week. Wow, straight into that. Mm. Oh, him. You first. What's it, S? Yes. Strawberry. You can eat them. So I've heard.
0: Well, mine is something very special. Something as old as time. Something that everybody knows. That everybody loves. Hmm. It's supercalifragilisticexpialidocious.
1: See, this is why we get so much hate mail. What's your point? I just think you're a bit of a fucking asshole. No, I've just got a really big asshole. Yeah, listen, why don't you fuck off, Billy Barnes? is right. Yes, you bet. podcast